welcome back to another bonus episode of the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Podcast. We're still talking ADHD and hormones and today's bonus episode features Katie Taylor who is the founder of the Latte Lounge and the creator of the Midlife Festival. Now I wanted to bring this episode to you because this conversation I found was really important. Katie understands perimenopause and menopause in women like no other. She leads a community of thousands of women and her Latte Lounge community was built on her own very difficult menopause and not understanding it, not having the awareness there, not understanding how these menopausal traits were showing up. And it was thankfully her having her dad as a doctor who was able to guide her towards getting specialist help. Her menopausal symptoms included brain fog, muscular aches, heavy periods, but also she started understanding that there was ADHD there in the mix. And she tells her story of ADHD showing up in her family and her children, and now potentially in herself. And her story, I think, will relate to so many of you, that these challenging hormonal imbalances have showed up all her life, but also in different capacities, such as disordered eating and processing trauma through food, but also being very creative and loving to do things, advocate for people in this sort of sense of justice. So I think this short episode with Katie will relate to lots of you. Now, As always, please do head to my website if you want to learn more about the ADHD hormone series. Hundreds of you have been downloading it and messaging me and telling me how powerful it has been, how you are relating to lots of different episodes. And we've got the science, we've got the woo, we've got the spiritual, we've got the nutrition, we've got holistic, we've got lifestyle, we've got breath work. And If you buy the hormone series now, you're always going to get these updates. I'm already speaking to new specialists, people who are coming forward and saying to me, I'm doing evidence-based research. I want to talk to you about um, ADHD and women's hormones. So if you buy um, the product, this will always remain with you and you will get those updates. So head to my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk or the show notes of this episode, and you will see all the information. Now, also Katie mentions her midlife festival, and I'm going to put the link also in the show notes because her talks are fantastic. And it's really inspired me to launch the ADHD Women's Hormone Series because to be able to get access to lots of these specialists wherever you live in the world is difficult. Many of us can't afford it. Many of us can't afford to have private consultations. So so I think what we've both done in this situation is bring these specialists and these experts to you at a fraction of the cost it would be to have a private consultation. So I really do believe that medical holistic healthcare should be accessible to all. And I do hope that in this hormone series, you really do get uh, this accessible information and you are able to advocate and empower yourself to ask for what you need and deserve. Here's today's episode. Let's backtrack and come to the the whole reason why you wanted to set up the Latte Lounge and what has that provided for you and what does it now provide for lots of other women? Sure. Well, um, when I was 43 years old, I was, you know, like, like you, mum of four kids, juggling a lot, but but coping really well and enjoying my life. Um, and, you know, I had a, a really good job working for a charity in communications, um, a lovely husband that I've been married to for 25 years, and life was good. And I just managed to cope. But what I founded over the next four years, so 43 to 47, just symptoms started very slowly, just things like 
I'd be walking the kids to school and it, a normal sort of five, 10 minute walk, for me, it felt like I was walking in stick, sticky treacle. I was exhausted. It, it took everything out of me to even make that journey. Um, and then things like, I was just a bit forgetful and my friends would laugh as we were walking to school. They're like, oh, Katie, I bet you've forgotten where you left your car today. Ha, ha, ha. And don't you remember I told you that? And I'd be like, what's her name? Like, you know, you know who that is. And and then when I was going to work, I, I just suddenly suffered this brain fog where I just you know, I was a coper. Normally I could walk into a meeting, you know, if it was a board meeting or or just a team meeting. And, and I knew what I was going to say. I knew who everyone was and, and what was expected with me. And I'd get on with my day. But I, I found this brain fog really overwhelming and scary. And I, you know, almost thought, oh, my God, have I got early onset dementia? But I kind of brushed it aside. Um, and then I started some really low mood, um, very teary, never suffered from anxiety before. And I started having heart palpitations and anxiety. And I just thought I was a maybe either I'm a hypochondriac or maybe I'm just juggling too much. So I went back and forward to um, my doctors. Um, well, the first doctor said I was suffering from depression and just said, take antidepressants, which I was resistant to do because I had a great life what what did I have to complain about then when I had heart palpitations I was sent to a heart specialist for monitoring they couldn't find anything wrong I was sent to a psychiatrist who again said it's depression I also had aching joints and he even said the reason why I had backache was because I was depressed and he actually even said you're overweight and I wasn't that over maybe I'd sort of put on a stone without realizing it but I was quite offended actually because you know, I tried my best to exercise and eat well, but I just didn't have that energy. Anyway, to cut a long story short, I, in the end, I just thought, well, you know, I'm obviously depressed, so I'm going to take these antidepressants and I'm going to see if I can work part time at work because I just couldn't cope. The antidepressants didn't do anything. It made me feel very numb. I felt disconnected with the world. I became a shell of a woman. I was always very kind of outgoing and sociable um, and I just wanted to stay at home and became a hermit. Um, no one, at the time I didn't have hot flushes, I was still having periods, but my periods did become a lot heavier to a point where there were some days where I was just drenched and there was no way I could even leave the house. And I became severely anemic. I, I lay on the couch sleeping and crying all day and no one had ever sort of asked me about my periods. Eventually, thank goodness, my father, who's now a retired breast cancer professor, I went to see him after four years. Um, and by this point, I must say, I had to give up my job. I basically thought, I can't, maybe I just can't have it all. Maybe I can't juggle kids and work. And so I'm just going to give up work and, and just try and find a way of getting feeling better. Uh, but as I said, my father said, Katie, I think this is hormonal. I know you're 47, but I think you should go and see a gynecologist now, especially as you're bleeding very heavily, um, but someone who specializes in hormones. So um, I couldn't get seen on the NHS for absolutely ages. And I thought, well, I can't wait. The waiting list was about six months. Um, so I had to go privately. And Within a 10 minute consultation of me telling her my symptoms, what I've been going through, she just looked at me and said, well, this is classic perimenopause. And I said, well, what is that? You know, I'm, I'm not menopausal. I'm not old, gray haired old lady fanning herself in the corner. 
I'm young, I, that, that's not me. And she said, perimenopause is that, you know, the it can be at last up to 10 years before your last period when, when, when menopause occurs, which is a year and a day since your, after your last period. And the drop in estrogen levels, my estrogen levels were on the floor, means that you're suffering with all these symptoms. She prescribed hormone replacement therapy there and then after taking a family history. And it was a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my God, first of all, I'm not going mad. Thank God I haven't got dementia. Um, and there was a reason for these symptoms. And so to cut a bit, you know, in a longer story short, I went home um, to my bed that night and I was relieved but fueled with anger that I had kind of a I didn't know myself b that my doctors hadn't recognized it and that I've kind of lost you know I'd lost a good job and I've lost myself so I turned to Facebook because at the time Instagram wasn't really around actually I don't think it was around and Facebook groups at that time were talking mainly about you know mums with young babies and kids and toddlers and nappy rash and, and play dates and there was no one chatting about this next stage you know the sort of midlife menopause stage um so I thought oh well I'll I'm going to set up a Facebook group for you know women over 40 because I was you know in my 40s um and I thought I'd get a couple of people join and a few of my friends were making fun of me going you know look at you with your little Facebook group and and I felt a bit of a failure because I had a good job and suddenly now all I'm doing is a Facebook group and it was a bit, you know, a bit pathetic in my eyes. But that night I was overwhelmed with Facebook member requests. I had over a thousand members request to join that night. And I then realised, okay, this is not me. This is a huge issue. How are you seeing the ADHD play in your community? Yeah, well, I'll talk about the personal side of things afterwards. Um, in the community, it, it's really hard to make these diagnoses, isn't it? Because there's so many crossovers between what is menopause, what is potentially ADHD. And I always say to people, look, first port of call is take that symptom checklist to your doctor, read up and inform yourself on ADHD and on the menopause as well. Um, because, you know, we, we only get these 10 minute appointments, um, you know, if you have private health insurance or, you know, you're lucky enough to be able to have you know, get an appointment, um, you might have a bit longer. But I just always say to him, look, if you do suspect it, don't waste any more time, just go and get support. And, and um, it's just really confusing time. And I think for myself, what happened, you were my absolute, you know, light bulb moment that um, when you actually emailed me a few months back and just introduced yourself. And I found it absolutely fascinating because I've got four children like you, two have already been diagnosed with ADHD, uh, one I suspect, and I have a husband who, who paces when he's on phone calls for work <laughs> non-stop all the time. So I'm do like, I. Right, <laughs> bloody pacing, and I'm saying, oh, maybe he is as well. Um, but see, for me personally, you, there were a few things I'd never even considered. So, for example, um, and, you know, and I don't... I've a lot of people will know the story who know me. I, when I was in my last year at university, I tragically lost a very, very good friend who I lived with. Um, it was a very traumatic time in my life. And I remember while everyone else was in shock and, and crying hysterically, my first natural response was to go to the corner shop and buy a Mars bar. Don't ask me why, it was just one of those things. And I remember eating that Mars bar and suddenly I had this craving, I just needed more and more and more and more and more. 
And I think what happened at the time, I just thought, well, that's just, you know, I'm just trying to drown and push down my feelings of grief. And, and you know, in those days, there was no offering of counselling. You know, even when I came home, it was sort of our friends, we, we all sort of tried to support each other. But I very quickly after went travelling. I, I, I'd finished, sadly, it was just before we were graduating. So I didn't get a graduation. And I went travelling around the world. And I was gone for a year and a half. So I didn't even really have sort of emotional support at home. I just left the country. And my coping mechanism turned to sugar. Um, and I'd never heard of the word binge eating. And I just thought, well, I'm just overeating. Oh, I'll just diet and lose it. And, and then whenever things were bad or I was stressed, I'd eat again. And I remember my sister, who's a journalist, sent me a book by an amazing lady called uh, Lee Janogli, which was called how to stop binge eating and she sort of said do you think this is you and I was like oh well I don't know it sounds really interesting and I read it um and I've spent most of my life berating myself thinking you're just greedy why can't you control yourself maybe it's just because it's a bad habit so when you mentioned that you know something like eating disorders in particular binge eating is, is uh part of ADHD brain that that was a light bulb moment for me um I also love being like you very creative and I love helping people and I have all these amazing ideas sparking here there and everywhere and I want to help the world but then I get to a point and I do it you know I, I take on a lot and then I get suffer burnout where I actually at some point crash and I need to take time out and and then I build myself back up a bit again eventually and do it all over again. Um, but I have terrible low self-esteem as well, which was another thing you said. Everything I say to myself is, oh, you know, you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid. Why are you doing this? You're, you're, you're not really an expert. You know, you're just you're just you. Um, so there's a lot of negative narrative going on in my brain. And, and when you told me all these things were symptoms actually if I am and I actually hope I am because then it gives me validation that I'm not all those horrible negative things that I've told myself but actually I'm okay it's just my brain <laughs> um, but you know the, the the thing I found even with my kids is the older generation so parents and that generation they're like oh stop labeling everything and you know you're just in your in our day we just called them lazy and stupid um, and that's not very kind, is it? <laughs> yeah. I think by having this light bulb moment, I've been able to be a little bit kinder to myself to, as you say, to actually almost step out of my body and tell myself that actually you're OK, you're doing you're doing good. This isn't this is other things that are going on. And I think I've interviewed a couple of people in the Midlife Festival um, like yourself who have talked a lot about self-care and so I I'm very and one of the smallest pieces of advice someone gave me in the, the festival that I'm recording at the moment is is to if you do nothing else 10 minutes every day just get out in nature walk whether walk the dog and actually just download your brain don't take your phone with you know just look around you and actually I found that really really helpful because it's not overwhelming it's actually it, it's you know it's really important so I think I think I'm I'm on a journey. I think it's been great. Actually, have, I'm so grateful our paths have crossed because actually, you know, I feel like I, in some ways I've sort of sorted my my own perimenopause and menopause journey, um, and now this is a you know a part of my life which I can now read much more about, listen to your podcasts, your previous ones, and um, and and also help other women because I hear 
so many stories like myself, you know, and I'm starting to think, oh, I actually recommended your podcast just yesterday to a journalist I work with who had the same light bulb moment. She'd never even considered it. Mm. Uh, and she listened and she said, oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you, Kate. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for that. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I hope you found what you were looking for in this conversation and it's helped guide you towards some further self-healing, self-exploration and most importantly, self-acceptance. And if you have enjoyed this conversation and would like to experience more of my work, such as access to exclusive live workshops and opportunities for group coaching sessions, connecting with other like-minded women, and a general feeling of belonging, please come and check out my monthly membership, the ADHD Women's Wellbeing Collective. I've made it as affordable as possible, and I offer you lots of resources and opportunities for connection and support from other women all around the world being diagnosed with ADHD later on in life. I'd absolutely love to see you there. All the details are in this episode's show notes or on my website, adhdwomenswellbeing.co.uk. See you in the next episode.